Thanksgiving season, we're going to talk a little bit about thankfulness. And one of the most well-known stories of thankfulness and the lack thereof in the same story is in Luke chapter 17. So turn over there with me, if you will, for just a minute. Luke chapter 17 this morning. Luke 17, verse number 11, the Bible says this, And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were keepers, or I'm sorry, that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back with a loud voice, glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Thank you, Lord, for today. God, I do thank you for your goodness again, Lord, for your word, and for this example that you shared with us, Lord, convicting, and uh, Lord, edifying as well. I pray that you help us to learn from it this morning. I do pray for the Chavez family, Lord, this um, aunt, Lord, that... Lost her daughter and now her husband. I pray that you'd comfort there and uh, meet those needs with Miss Sherry, Lord, and her health and others, Lord, that have prayer requests. Brother Tom, of course, with his blood pressure. God, I pray that you'd be with our preacher today. I pray that you'd bless us. Help us to be thankful for the blessings that you have given to us. I love you in Jesus' name. I pray. Amen. One of the hardest things to do, oftentimes, um, it, with a group of people, I do it in my I do it in my family at home. I do it in my uh, occasionally in Sunday school class here. I'll do it in the classes that I teach at the college. Is to ask people for blessings. Usually, you'll get a pretty decent response. And I'm not. I, I wasn't setting you up for this by asking for prayer requests. I want to pray for your prayer requests, but. It's not hard for us to think of needs and requests and problems and help that we need. Because that's just our nature. Or even not even necessarily for us personally, but if you care about other people, then the people that you care about, when they have needs, you want to request prayer for those things, you want to ask prayer for those things, you want to to help with those things if you're able. But unfortunately, it's it has always been a problem. It's not like this is something that's new. Yes, we live in America. Yes, we are spoiled. Yes, we are tremendously blessed. But the problem of not being thankful is not new to us. We don't have, it doesn't matter. Uh, My wife read me an article yesterday. Somewhere in England, there is a school that has outlawed a couple of different kinds of coats at their school. Jackets, winter jackets. Because the jackets are like $1,000 a piece. And the kids will pressure their parents to buy these jackets because it's kind of a status symbol, if you will. But the reason that they were outlawing them in this particular school district 
was because they said it made the other kids that couldn't afford that kind of jacket or whose parents wouldn't buy that kind of jacket, it made them feel inferior. And so they were they, the, the title on their article or whatever was something about poverty-proofing their school. That's just kind of our, our the, that's the world that we live in today. And there's all kinds of, you know, on both sides of that, there's all kinds of things wrong with it, in my opinion. But I don't have time to get into all that. I wouldn't spend $1,000 on a jacket for my kid, but that's me. You know, maybe if I had $100 million, $1,000 for a jacket doesn't seem like a big deal. I don't know. But also to say you can't do this for your kid because somebody else can't afford to do it for their kid, and so therefore you can't do that either. There's a lot, of, there's a lot wrong with that. But this story that we see here, there's 10 men that are lepers. And Jesus comes by and they, they call from along with way. It says, verse 12, as he entered into a certain village, there met him, there met, met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. It appears, if you read down through this, they're in Galilee. It says he went through Samaria and Galilee. It appears like maybe he was in Galilee at this point. Jesus went through Samaria on several different occasions. But he's here, and just by the way the story reads, it appears like nine of these were Jews and one was a Samaritan. The one that came back was a Samaritan. And I I don't think by all, I don't think at all that it's by accident that the Lord, in his examples, when he talked about the good Samaritan in this story here, he mentions the fact that the Samaritan is the one that comes back. Oftentimes, it's the, the, the pure-blood people, the blue-blood people, if you will, the Jews that, were, that had maybe a mentality or this idea of entitlement and just had not practiced being thankful. The Samaritans were kind of treated, not kind of, they were treated like second-class citizens, especially by the Jews, because they were mixed race and all of that. And so they were kind of, they were looked down upon already. And maybe partly because of that, they had more of a propensity to be thankful when something good happened to them or when they had opportunity to do because they weren't quite so spoiled. And when I think about this, oftentimes I, I think about me. I've been tremendously blessed. And the Lord gave me opportunity as a youth pastor to work with a lot of kids from, especially when I was in Rockford for seven years. We had a program on Friday nights that was almost exclusively for kids that were in the projects. We ran buses Friday nights and we had running buses through there. We had people throw rocks through our windows and all kinds of stuff on different occasions. and different. I could tell you lots of stories. But we would go in and we would pick up those kids on Saturdays. I'd go visit in those neighborhoods and be in their homes. and It was unbelievable to me. I couldn't, until being there, and even that, you're only there for a few minutes or maybe even a couple hours, but you don't have to live there every single day. I grew up, I, I, I would tell those kids, I was always honest with them, and I said, look, I, I cannot say I understand how you feel or what you have to deal with. I never went to public school a day in my life. I grew up in a preacher's home on a dairy farm out in the country. I never lived in the city growing up. I didn't, 
I, you know, I went to Christian school, kindergarten through 12th grade, went away to Bible college. That's the only school I've ever been in has been Christian schools. And so there's so many things that I've found over time that I take for granted or that I have taken for granted. When I started working, I've always worked since I was 12 years old. I've worked on a bus route from the time I was 14. I had my own bus route. I love the bus ministry, love visiting in homes and all of those things. But it wasn't until I had been in the youth ministry for about eight years and when I, when I first went to Rockford. And I began to teach the kids and I started to teach on something and I mentioned something about creation. And I looked out and I, I could see in the faces of some of the kids. I was talking about creation and God creating the world. And they teenage kids raised in America, that had never heard that before. They didn't have a clue what I was talking about. High school age young people. I went home that evening and I just wept and I thought, God, I did so many things that I take for granted. And so what I began to do with those young people is I went back and started at the beginning. Started with creation. It start, you know, it's when people don't understand that God created the world or don't know who God is and don't understand anything about Him, then when you go and tell them that Jesus died for them and they've never heard of, you know, they don't know Jesus. The only time they've ever heard His name is in a curse word. They don't know who Jesus is. They've never heard the story of... And, and it used to be when I was growing up and even as a young man, I thought, well, I could imagine that people out there on the mission field in some of these third world countries, maybe have never heard the name of Jesus or don't know who Jesus is or what Jesus has done. But the fact of the matter is, more and more young people in our world today, that's the way they're growing up. And they don't know. And that's one of the reasons that when I work with the teenagers here, when I go drive for Teenage Soul Winning, and we went on the Teenage Soul Winning Marathon, I told the young people, I said, you better make sure that the person you're talking to, young person or adult, knows what you're talking about. That they understand that, that hell is a real place. That heaven is a real place. That the devil is real. That our sin that, that, that our sin is enough because of what the Bible says. Because we serve a, a holy God. That our sin is enough to send us to hell. Not because God hates us, but because God cannot have sin in His presence. And when I, when I think about those things, it helps me to understand a little bit how blessed I really am. These ten men, they go to, they're, they're there and they see Jesus passing by, probably with a bunch of people following him because that's the way it kind of always was for him once he began his ministry. People wanted to see miracles, people wanted to see things. His, his reputation went before him. You know, Zacchaeus climbed up in a tree so that he could see him because people, he knew that he was coming. And they cry from afar off. Of course, they weren't allowed to get close to him. They weren't supposed to be. They were lepers. They had to cry out that they were unclean and all those things. So they yelled to him from a long ways away. We don't know how far away it was, but he was within, you know, within voice range where they could, he could hear them crying. And they asked him for help. They said, verse number 13, they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourself unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Now, a couple of things. 
First of all, they asked for mercy. They, asked, they were asking for his healing. That's what they wanted. Jesus looks at them, looks at them and says, go show yourself to the priest. Now, they, that's where they had to go. That was their law when they were cleansed from leprosy. If they were cleansed from leprosy, they had to go and be the, the priest was the one that would declare them clean. So that was the law. That's why Jesus said that. But here's the thing. What if they had not started going? What if they said, well, we still have leprosy. We're not going to show ourselves to the priest. I can look at myself and tell I'm not clean. But it says, as they went... They were cleansed. He didn't cleanse them until they began to obey, until they took action to obey what he told them to do. And when they did, it says, as they went, they were cleansed. Jesus, you see it in a number of places, when he heals people, when he does miracles, he'll say things like, according to thy faith, be it unto thee. Or, thy faith, hath made thee whole. We have to be obedient. We have to have the faith. All ten of these lepers had enough faith in him to go. And then as they went, they were cleansed. But this one Samaritan man, verse 15, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. So he turned back, he glorified the Lord, praised him, Loudly, he was excited, he was thankful. And then, verse 16, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Again, I believe that the Lord had that part of it. Could you get the gist of the story without that last little phrase right there? Sure. I could understand the story without, that, without you telling me that he was a Samaritan. And it doesn't, by the way, it doesn't tell us that the rest of them weren't or any of the other ones weren't. It just says, by the way, just an aside, just a note, just in case you were wondering, he was a Samaritan. He was one who the others might very well have looked down on, who might not have treated him as well, whatever the case may be. And so... It points out the fact that this man was a Samaritan. Verse number 17, And Jesus answering said, where, or Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. Again, talking about the fact that this man was a Samaritan. Not that Jesus didn't know who he was and he knew who the other ones were. He's a stranger. He, did, he wasn't from that country. He was a Samaritan. And he said, he's the only one. Of all the people that should be thankful, let me say this. Of everybody on the face of the earth that should be thankful for what God does for us, it ought to be the people in this room. If anybody should be thankful for the goodness of God, it ought to be the people in this room. I could spend the next two hours just giving you reasons that all of us have for being thankful. But for whatever reason, most of us, in general, as Christians, as saved people that live in the United States of America, aren't nearly as thankful as we ought to be. Our children, we, 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 are, we, we struggle sometimes to raise our children to be thankful. 
because they're spoiled. And I understand most people want their children to have more and a better life than what they had growing up and different things or to be raised different. You try to do better. You always try with every generation, hopefully, to do better for your kids. And by the way, doing better for your kids than what you had growing up doesn't necessarily mean giving them more stuff. Maybe if you were given everything growing up, doing better for your kids was teaching them to work for things and to, to have their own. My, my daughter is 17 and she's wanted a job and I'm not uh, big on my kids in, in school age working in the, in the secular world if they don't have to. And so I try to provide, especially my girls. AJ had a couple of jobs. He worked at a small engine shop when he was in high school for a man that was a sound man in my church. And he's had other jobs doing things, but... I, as much as possible, tried to get him with Christian people, and uh, not until he got to college. Now he's working a secular job. But for Michaela, I told her, I said, "Sweetie, you, you know," she says, "Daddy, I would, I'd like to get a job," and she's been telling me that for, I don't know, a year or more. And I encourage her to do those things. We keep her involved, keep her busy, keep her working. But I told her, I said, "Sweetie, just pray about it. Just pray about it, and God will give you something that mom and dad are comfortable with, and that will provide your needs." And I've told our girls, you know, they, they do some extracurricular things. They, Emily plays volleyball, Michaela, they're both on the spirit squad and they do other things. They want to go to the youth activities. And we've told them, we, incur, we want them to go to everything, but a lot of those things we've told them, you're going to have to pay for that yourself. You're going to pay your own way. You're going to pay for, you know, the sports and all those things. You're going to, you're going to foot the bill for that. And so they want opportunity to earn money for those things. And uh, we give them opportunities around the house, give them extra chores and stuff, and we'll give them some some cash for doing those things. But Michaela, a couple months ago, she's been praying about it. And a couple months ago, the Lord gave her a great babysitting job at somebody that's not far from our house and a good family that comes to the church and all those things. And God just worked out everything. And she was so excited yesterday. She came home, babysat again yesterday, and she came home and she said, Daddy, this is so nice to, not have, to have my own money, to not have to ask you and Mom for things, but to be able to get the things that I need to be able to do some things that I want. But she said, I like the fact that she was figuring out what she was going to give last night. I was in her room and she was figuring out what she wanted to give to the Lord out of what she'd been given. And teaching her to appreciate those things is a huge part of me wanting to do for my kids. My parents, when we were, once I got to junior high, my dad said, you're old enough to work, you can pay your own way. You want basketball shoes, you buy them. You want a car, you buy it. You want, you know, you want new clothes, you want nice clothes. You buy them. And, and I did. And I'm thankful. I, I learned to appreciate things. But doing for our children, sometimes we do it at the expense of they don't learn to be thankful. And you can give your kids a lot of things and still teach them to be thankful. That's one of the reasons Thanksgiving, my kids, I'm excited about doing, the co- doing Thanksgiving at the college because all of my children will be working with us to prepare the food. Chloe and my wife and I were up, the other, everybody else was gone yesterday, so it was me and my wife and Chloe. We spent about six hours up at the college yesterday afternoon and evening setting up chairs, moving tables, all those things. And my seven-year-old is excited about the opportunity to serve the Lord. When I see the Masowitz kids picking up trash in the, in the, uh, in the auditorium after church, when I see the Dugan kids come up here and help clean up the classroom after Sunday morning church, What a blessing those things are. And all that is a part of teaching our kids to be thankful. But several things, the the last verse, verse number 19, it says, He said unto him, Arise, go thy way. But he says this, he says, Thy faith hath made thee whole. 
It tells us that all ten of them were cleansed. But this one, it says he was made whole. I don't know if there's more to that or not, and I'm not going to try to make the Bible say something that it doesn't. Okay, I, you know, I, I'm sure people could preach a whole sermon on the difference between the what you know, cleansed and being made whole. But I believe with all of my heart that his faith in the Lord. You see in the in the faith chapter, you see in the book of James in, in Hebrews 11, but you also see in the book of James, faith and works, and. When James says, show me your faith without your works. This man showed his faith by his works, by his coming back and giving thanks to the Lord. And the Lord said, thy faith hath made thee whole. Four things real quickly, and I'll let you go this morning. Thankfulness, first of all, is rare. Thankfulness is rare. True, honest thankfulness is a rarity. For us as adults, for our children, in our society, in our country. Thankfulness is something that is very rare. We don't see it very often. And you know what? One of the things about that is, because it's so rare, when you do find people that are truly thankful, it makes an impression. It makes an impression. When we went and raked leaves for the Davises, and they were so thankful... To the point that Mrs. Davis was crying the whole time that we were there. For that group of junior high girls that was with me and got to see that. We got in the car and they're like, Brother King, why was she crying? What was, was she okay? And I said she was just thankful. She was just thankful. It makes an impression when we see things like that. And when I see things like that, it makes me think, am I as thankful as I ought to be about things? But thankfulness is a rare thing. Secondly, thankfulness glorifies God. We see that this man, when he came back, it says that he glorified God and gave thanks for what had happened to him. If we're thankful for what God has done for us and the blessings that we have and the opportunities that we have and the children that we have and all those things, we will glorify God by our thankfulness. We will give God glory for what He's done in our lives. We need to take time to take stock of what He has done for us. To glorify God is to honor or magnify Him. Thankfulness gives the credit to whom credit is due. Gives credit to whom it's due. God, if anybody's ever done anything nice for you, it's, it's God. Nobody will ever do more for you than what God has already done. We need to make sure that we're thankful. The Samaritan realized that where this came from and the reason that God uses foolish, weak, base, despised, and are nots is because they realize that it's God that does the work. Sometimes you hear testimonies of different people, some of the most unlikely people, most unlikely upbringing and different things are the ones that God uses the greatest. And I believe with all of my heart that it's because those are the people that recognize that it's God. They're the people that recognize that God did that. And sometimes everybody else recognizes too that, hey, that person, I knew that guy growing up. I went to high school with that guy. There's no way that that guy ought to be preaching the Word of God. Why is God using him so greatly? Because he's thankful. Because he gives God the glory for it. Because God gets glory out of that. It's, uh, again, there's a lot of passages of Scripture on that. But number three, thankfulness causes God to give more. 
You know what? When my kids are thankful for what I do, if I do something nice for one of my children and they're like, oh, daddy, thank you so much. I just love you so much. That's so awesome that you did that. You know what I want to do? I want to do more. I believe with all my heart that as we're thankful to God, God is more likely to do more for us. He'll give us, he'll answer our prayers, he'll do for us based on our thankfulness. And then lastly, thankfulness is commanded by God. Colossians 3.15, be thankful. Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks. We need to work on just having a spirit of thankfulness. Let's pray this morning. Thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. I do thank you for this spirit of thanksgiving, Lord, for this time that we have in our nation to set aside to be thankful. But, Lord, I pray that this season would not be the only time that we're thankful. Lord, it seems like almost in our society that we go right from this season of thankfulness, Lord, at at Thanksgiving time, right into what unfortunately has become in many ways a season of entitlement when it comes to Christmas time. It's all about the gifts and what can I get and what am I going to get and what's my list of things that I want. Lord, help us to just be thankful. Help us to be giving. Help us to understand what it is that you've done for us. We love you. Bless our day, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.